0: Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films, every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. It's not often that a documentary film comes along that shows you history in real time, something you're watching and unfold. And you're seeing the impact it has on these events, have on the people who are living through it. And I can think of a no better example of that than the documentary film we're going to be talking about today, Etalat Ruz, And uh, it is co-directed by Abbas Razai, as well as our guest today, Zaki Daryabi. Um, it is an insider's look into the city of Kabul's most widely read newspaper, the Etalat Rooz. The film is a gripping first hand account of the august twenty twenty one takeover of Kabul by the Taliban. In addition to being the filmmakers, Abbas Razai and Zaki Daryabi, they are also staff members of Etalaruz, and it is their passion, their determination to tell the truth, to document what is happening to their city and to their people that makes this such a a phenomenal experience. And with that, I'd like to introduce the co-director as well as the editor in chief of the Etelat Rouge, Saki Daryabi. Saki, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you very much, Mike. Happy to talk with you. I hope and uh, I hope and pray that your family and yourself are safe and healthy
1: uh thank you my family my kids my wife and two of my brothers are safe and they are in the united states okay. but half of family is still uh in trouble uh they can't go back to afghanistan they their visas have been expired that they are living illegally in pakistan because the last time the taliban issued an order from intelligence agency that some people's, I, uh, some people's relatives family member properties should be identified for further decision mining was among that list so because of that and a lot of seriousness has happened against my family they cannot go back to afghanistan and they are living in lambo in pakistan no pathway for their uh uh to another countries and i don't know what's happening but I talked with my father and also with my mother uh, one week ago and they were fine and that's uh that's good for me at least
0: well i don't think i did a good job of in in the introduction of identifying not only as the producer of this film but also as the editor of this incredible enterprise this newspaper that through the previous administration as well as in the process of the fall of that administration and into the rule of the Taliban as editor in chief of Atala uh, Rus it, it is uh, it is remarkable because this film is a portrait not only of yourself but of the staff and the sacrifices they made and in real time we're watching history being made and through it all we watch you we watch your staff try to figure out the best way forward, not only for yourself, but for the people who you have come to report on and serve and in and and so many other ways, you've been a an invaluable asset to their lives. Were this, was there ever any hesitation on your part to be filmed during this period of time? Did you fear that it might be eventually used against you or were there any trepidation on your part allowing this to be filmed?
1: Our, our plan was to make a documentary about 9-11 and 20 years of uh, US troops and also international troops present in Afghanistan and our decision was to look from a new narrative that uh, we as journalists almost see that uh, these narratives from the new generation of Afghanistan mostly not come with the foreign documentary makers and journalists Uh, Before the fall of Kabul, uh, months ago, two months ago, there was a lot of uh, uh, journalists inside the country and all were busy to document 20 years of the U.S. presence. And then the withdrawal draw off uh, uh, U.S. uh, troops from Afghanistan on 9-11 because according to the peace deal in Doha, that was the last day that uh, the American soldier soldier, and also our East member soldiers can uh, presence in Afghanistan. Uh, we were thinking how Ethelathros uh, can look to the situation. What actually these 20 years mean for the Afghans, ordinary Afghans, not just politicians, and what does it mean for the new generation of Afghanistan? So our plan was to document uh, about 9/11 and also 11 September. Abbas Rizai, the director, uh, two days before the fall of Kabul on August 13, I just held a meeting with the staff and told them that, unfortunately, the Kabul is going to collapse and I want you to go save your family if you want. But if you want to stay journalist uh, in Etel then this is your home and we will continue our work. We don't know, but our plan is to move some part of the newsroom, probably in the regional country. It not happened, but APA suggested that we should start filming this uh, meeting inside the Etalat Rust. He told me that uh, probably we do not know what's happening in next uh, weeks, in next coming days and months, but it's worthy to see what's happening inside a uh, newspaper uh, as a part of civil society of Afghanistan. And uh, let's not miss this moment of history, because everybody is going to film U.S. Ambassador, everybody is going to film the Taliban entrance in in the city, and also Mm -hmm. they will go uh, for the politicians, for the uh, ethnic leaders. They will go for the member of parliament and ministers, but nobody is going to pay attention. What does collapse of a country mean to the new generation, the organizations that we have been pulled through past two decades, and the achievements for freedom of expression, human rights, Uh, civil society that we achieved, uh, what what will happen? So I was afraid, but I agreed with Abbas. And two days before the fall of Kabul, in the day of of fall of Kabul on August 15, and awake, I was not uh, really relaxed when Abbas was following me and the staff everywhere. Because that is actually, if you were in Kabul, there was a lot of pressure. Dozens of journalists, Who worked for you, with you for a decade, was asking for help. Their family was worried, they were asking for help. My family was working, was worried, and they were also asking for help. Then uh, my kids were worried, and a lot of uh, relatives' friends. When you dealing with uh, their safety, with their concern, and also uh, a bigger concern that how we can still keep the italatros alive and report what's happening inside the country during the fall. All of these uh, were a lot of pressure, but a uh, camera is an extra pressure on you. I accepted that uh, because uh, I always knew that uh, probably this is a historical moment, uh, not just for italatros, for me, for the staff, but it is something that will remain in uh, Afghanistan history and for freedom of expression history. That's why I agreed with that, and but it was hard.
0: Well, one of the strengths of this film at the Lot Rose is that I cannot remember, think of a documentary film in which that point of view has been taken, where we are watching one of the pillars of any free and democratic society being undone the way it is, and to watch it in that environment of a repressive authoritarian government as it as it tightens its grip, and to see it from that perspective. I think this is an invaluable film for a lot of reasons, but not the least of which, is to watch that happen, watch an authoritarian regime essentially tighten its grip on on the ability of the people living in that society to find out actually what's going on. So that's remarkable. I also want to point out that you and your staff have not just been documenting this part of the story of the Taliban and their... And their ascendancy in in Afghanistan, but also the leadership, the the presidency of Ashraf Shani, and the and you were documenting the corruption. So your the 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 time that you have spent in journalism as a, as an enterprise has been pretty consistent to find the truth to uncover corruption wherever it may be. I want to talk a bit about that period of time in the history of the of the paper
1: unfortunately this documentary is not documenting uh the etlatrus history before the fall of kabul the okay. work that we have been done in like after 2015 uh on the corruption uh but i can uh, tell like uh, the etlatrus was most influential and important newspaper in, in the country all in the government uh was afraid of etlatrus uh, works because there was a lot of corruption and the corruption was one of the main reason for the collapse of the government. Yeah. We raised this point many times with a lot of reports and talked publicly to the people, to the government, that corruption is a problem for the country. Uh, we published series of reports on how corruption is happening inside the government. Yeah. Whereas this point that all the uh, senior option of the government uh, not leaving actually in Kabul. Their families, their relatives, their properties, their wealth, their money, all are outside. They are coming from Europe, they are coming from US, they are coming from Dubai, they are coming from Turkey, only collecting money from the government position. They are contracting a lot of uh, contracts inside the government and just collecting money and then go back. Nobody heard that. And it was but continued its work to uh, tell the truth and keep the light on the darkness and the the project that government was actually trying to hide from the people. So we did our work and I think uh, what it was in the previous year in 2020, in 2019 and 2021, raised a large debate among the society between the parliament and the government between the parliament and also government and the, the, people. A lot of was talking about the corruption and the society, uh, after the Etilateros reports on corruption, see how deep corruption is happening inside the country, inside the government. So uh, uh, the government was not uh, willing Etilateros works. There are a lot of uh, uh, documents from our conversation with the spokesperson of government, uh, they were thinking and they were telling us that Etelarus is our first enemy, and the Taliban is the second enemy. At least the two spokespersons of the government was thinking on Etelarus like this. Uh, the main reason for this was that we worked on corruption and we were fearless and we just uh, speak the truth. So this is a uh, uh, somehow you see very small part of documentary is talking about these things on the election on corruption, but uh, but what we had done uh, in italatros uh, with the during the republic I think uh, that's much more and the documentary is only talking right. about a period of time when uh, Kabul is near to collapse. Right.
0: Uh, and I, I, thank you. And I want to I just wanted to acknowledge in the sense that the ongoing enterprise has been about it's been consistent in its in its mission is to tell the truth, no matter what the cost. And as you described, it um, it was a lot of corruption going on in in Afghanistan during that period of time. So thank you for that. I apologize if you can hear dogs barking. I don't know if you can, but I'm sorry. Uh, I that's live in a house with a couple of loud dogs. I apologize for that. It's um, fine. Uh, so well, let's... Uh, I want to just also remind our listeners that we're talking about the uh, documentary film Etalat Rose, and it uh, is premiering at... I believe it's the U.S. premiere at the Human Rights Watch Film Festival coming up, and I, and I assume that it will eventually find its way into distribution where we can see it in theaters, but for right now... It is going to be screening at the Human Rights Watch Film Festival uh, beginning, and I don't have the dates. I know it's coming. Oh, I do have the dates. Actually, the Human Rights uh, Film Festival is May 31st through June 11th, and that is in New York. I believe the Lincoln Center and the IFC Center will be screening the films there. So, um, if And Cordelia, feel free to jump in if I've made a whole bunch of mistakes there, but I I do believe that that is uh, basically correct. the the other part of the film is has to do with the staff and that we that we watch them navigate these many days of uncertainty in the film and also to watch you as the leader of the of the group of the organization thinking out loud essentially trying to figure out how you're going to either remain as a viable option for people in Kabul to, to, to have or what to do. And it's such a uh, understandably fraught time for you and for your staff and for the people there. But it's also a very humanizing part as a film is watching you go through the different options that you have and they become more and more limited as the film moves forward. Um, How, how difficult was that? And I'm, that's a terrible way to start the question. Um, what have you, what do you, What were your, let me start one more time. So I want to make sure I write, I want to ask this correctly in, in the sense that, uh, did you know when the Taliban took over, it was August 15th when Kabul fell? Did you feel like there was an inevitability to where you were going to end up in this, or did you? How much did you believe that you could operate in that environment, and for for how long did you think that that was a possibility? If you did, did you think that was a possibility?
1: I was I was uh, uh, I, w- I, I was not really sure that we can continue our work uh, from Kabul, and uh, there was uh, at least two thoughts among, um, among our colleagues. Most of them were trying to leave the country and they were asking that we should move to some other countries and we should continue our work from probably Tajikistan or Kazakhstan or Uzbekistan. Uh, so we were thinking if uh, the Taliban uh, cannot accept our independent work as a journalist, then what will be the option? Uh, the option was certain that we will continue to keep the itilatres alive and the flow of information from afghanistan alive so we were thinking uh how to move uh, from kabul to neighbor countries and also uh personally my decision was to stay in kabul for a moment of time to see does the taliban really have been changed and uh, do they tolerate with the new achievements that have had Afghanistan both include the free priest, uh, independent journalism, and investigative journalism. Unfortunately, after the Col- Taliban entrance to the Kabul, I think uh, um, um, between the one week to two weeks, all the colleagues were realized that we cannot report anymore independently. And the situation is going to be worse uh, in a month or months later because uh, they are coming in the city, they are taking the organizations, they are bringing new roles. So it's not possible for us. But personally, uh, I was there and I was thinking that the peace negotiation in Doha and the way that the US government was thinking that the Taliban have been changed. And then the way that the Taliban political office uh, in Doha expressed their Views uh, on on the woman, on the education, on the freedom of expression. There was a small hope that we can continue our work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was thinking if there is a small hope, I should stay and fight for that. But what happened on August uh, in September 18 with my colleagues? They uh, they uh, uh, detained five of my colleagues and tortured two of them, include my brother, for hours. Then this was the last day that I uh, make this decision that I will move it lot, It's not where that we should stay. Our presence here in Afghanistan provide the, for the Taliban a kind of legitimation because on that times in social media, in other many reports, uh, a lot of uh, foreign journalists and also uh, opinion writers uh, was quoting our presence as a kind of success and a kind of tolerance that the Taliban have with the new environment. Mm-hmm. But this was not real. And day by day that it get worse and the Taliban just, uh, uh, be- just become what they actually is and was. So, uh, it was not easy really to think about staying in Kabul or going outside of Kabul. There was a two separate work as a parallel work. I mean, two parallel decision that we should move the main team to original country and then uh, some part of it should stay in Kabul to see if there's a small hope, uh, then we should fight for what we did in the past decades. Yeah. Uh, this was the situation at that time
0: it's it's an amazing part of the film and I, I hate to reduce it to a film experience to watch this real life true um um trauma that you and your in your extended family your family and your extended family of at the Latt-Ruse, go through but there's a phone call or a zoom call that you're making in the towards the end of the film Film in which you really lay it out, in in terms of you know your feelings and the hopes that you have, and just as extremely powerful moment to for me to to experience and just to kind of not only feel the emotion that you were going through, but the realization that that this was this was something that was in, and there was an inevitability. And and a frustration and not being able to to do something to affect it that just uh, is so powerful in the film. And I again, I'm gonna for our listeners, for our viewers who are who are un, need need to understand. We take the here in the United States, we do take the freedom of the press for granted, or we're mad at it, or whatever. We're there's there's all these conflicting things that we go through. We live in a country that has a free press. And when you watch a country, when you watch a people lose it, and you see that in this film, it is an extremely powerful moment and and realization. And I'm so glad you were willing to allow us into these moments in your life and in the life of Etelat Ruz.
1: I was uh, really trying to talk with Apas, the director, that... uh... If he can take down that part of uh, the reality that uh, happened during my stay in Kabul. But it was his decision. And personally, I can't watch uh, this film very easy. When uh, there is a chance that I should not watch this documentary, I do that. Because um, I hope uh, when I come to for q and on Human Rights Watch Film Festival, I should not be on the screening, then I will come after because uh, it's really hard, not just that part. The faces that uh, I have, I, I seen the, in the documentary, the, the their situation now uh, in Pakistan, in Iran, in Afghanistan, uh, a lot of stuff are there and their faces are just coming. The memories that we had uh, for many years and also a lot of colleagues that are, uh, that we are not able to see each other uh, anymore. Some are in Spain, some are in Italy, some are in Europe, some are in Canada, some are in different state in the uh, United States, and especially who are still uh, in Pakistan and uh, they do not have way to go. Uh, For me, not just that part in the whole memory that this documentary is bringing, on me is uh, really, really hard, really hard to watch it again. And because it brings a lot of pressure on you still. And also the moments that uh, you see uh, the torture of uh, your colleagues, and there's nobody to responsible for that. And you as an editor-in-chief and also the head of this organization couldn't do so much for your colleagues during the evocation, during hard time. So that's that's hard for me to watch it again
0: well, understandably understandably but i think we as viewers speak for myself we as viewers are better for these let's let's be honest these historic moments in the in the history of a country and in the history of free uh, freedom of the press to have been uh to bear witness to what you and your colleagues were going through so um i think it, over time, I, I hope that you come to see it for for that as well, as as, as well as the very personal uh, impact it had on your life. But uh, I hope that uh, as this film at the La Rose moves forward and, and gets more and more uh, attention, whether it's the film festival at the Human Rights uh, Watch film festival and beyond, it is, a as I said, a very powerful document. Um, well, in closing, I want to ask you about where we are, and I certainly wouldn't expect you to p- betray any confidences here, but where are we in terms of th- the people of Kabul and Afghanistan? Um, do you hold out hope in the near future or in the distant future for for something better for the people, particularly the women of Afghanistan moving forward?
1: Unfortunately, I, I do not see... A lot of hope, uh, especially in the coming years, because uh, there's a political tension on the uh, Afghanistan between the Taliban and also international community. They are abducting the women rights, human rights, freedom of expression, as a pressure to take money and put pressure on Western country. From this side, uh, the Western country just abstracted all human rights issue all human, human rights abuses that is happening in the country to one demand, and that was that let us the, the girls go to school beyond sixth grade. What happened in reality was that the Taliban banned girls from going to school, banned going to universities, uh, banned the girls and women to work in, in international community organizations and also in the local uh, organizations so uh, i do not see a lot of hope very soon but uh, i believe that a big change happened in past 20 years with the new generation there are millions of girls and boys that are educated they know what what is their rights and they hope that uh, some change will happen in the country so you see a raw material a very big uh, capacity of material in Afghanistan that they will grow up and they will change the way of thinking, the values that the, the Taliban want for Afghanistan. And they are, I think, fighting uh, slowly, probably highly, uh, but they, they they do not want the Taliban presence to be the future of Afghanistan. So they, while they are demanding a better future, I believe that... Uh, this will happen slowly, so we do not lose all the hopes that we have for the future. But in uh, and, in and, and short, uh, short time, I think uh, uh, the situation will be getting worse and worse, and the Taliban will bring more restriction on women and human rights defenders, civil society, media, and also and especially on the women. Uh, but still, I think uh, this uh, hope is uh, presence in Afghanistan, there are millions of people that are not agree with this uh, de facto government, with the rules that they want to run in the society. They know that they have different values. They living for different values inside the country. So what the Taliban is trying to push them is not something that they will accept at least uh, when they have their private space. So this is, I think, a a kind of hope uh, in Afghanistan. Let's wish that uh, something is happening uh, for the women and also with the new generation of Afghanistan soon.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much for spending some time with us, but also thank you for your work as a journalist, as an editor, as a publisher, and now as a producer and editor of the film, Etala Rose. Saki Dariabi, thank you so very much. And again, the film is called at the la Rue and the, it will be playing during the Human Rights Watch Film Festival beginning on May 31st through June 11th. Be looking for this. If you're, especially if you're hearing our, our conversation in New York, Lincoln Center and IFC Center are places where you will be able to take all of these, this film in, as well as many, many others, and uh, all the very best to you and to your family and to the extended family of at the lot Thank you so very much for spending some time with us.
1: Thank you very much. Uh, very happy to talk with you, Mike.
0: You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.